Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Happy Super Bowl weekend, friends. I am your host of the Cyber Guy Podcast, retired supervisory special agent, Darren Mott. In this episode, I'm going to talk to Scott Augenbaum about scams related around the Super Bowl. Um, so we had a lively conversation on a live stream earlier. Um, so I'm going to tack that on into the middle of this podcast. Uh, before we get to that, I got a couple news items of note. One is kind of technically oriented. One is more like focused on you individually. Uh, and one is just kind of humorous from me. So let's dive into the cyber news of the week. I would really should come up with like a sound bed for this, but I don't have one. So maybe I'll come up with anyway, who cares? So the first one is Linux targeted by Russian linked ransomware for the first time says cyber watchdog. This is all my articles from cyber news. Um, it's kind of a good site for general cyber information. Damien black is the journalist writing. This is from February 8th. Uh, and it's a new variant of CLOP, a notorious strain of ransomware linked to Russia, has been spotted targeting Linux operating systems for the first time, according to cybersecurity analyst Sentinel Labs. So why is this important? Why is this, why do we, why should we care? Ransomware is not a surprise. Well, partially because ransomware largely targets Windows OSs. But for this case, Linux is an OS popular with IT professionals, including administrators, engineers, and system support teams. CLOPS, on the other hand, is a malicious program believed to be primarily used by Russian and Ukrainian ransomware groups to encrypt files. The later is commonly done as a prelude to extorting the victim organizations desperate to retrieve their vital da data. Um, so this company, Sentinel, said it first spotted the Linux attacking a variant of CLOP on December 24th, and he uses a similar encryption method to the previously observed version that goes after Windows. So the point here being, obviously, is that you got to understand that bad guys will evolve their techniques, which makes targeting of other systems more likely. Why are, we, why are we focused on Linux? Well, because a lot of organizations utilize Linux on the back end to secure data, to store information, to do a host of different things to make their systems run better. So now that, and ideally, with Windows-based ransomware um, uh, malware, Linux really wasn't, wasn't, didn't have a problem because if you got hit with a, a Windows ransomware fish email, let's say, and someone clicks a link, but you're running a Linux back, you're running a Linux network, then your network really not going to be targeted for ransomware, not going to be hit with the ransomware. But now in modifying their Windows version to a Linux version, they could dump both payloads into the fish file and allow a bad guy or allow the ransomware to be deployed. So this, all this does is show that, you know, bad guys are constantly adjusting to issues and working on that. And I'll give you another note that happened this week um, with a company I'm aware of um, got hit with a business email compromise. And one of the ladies in the finance department uh, must have gotten an email that directed her to what looked like an office or a Microsoft login page that she would have been familiar to see. Uh, and she put in her credentials and that gave the bad guy access to the credentials. She then went or he that the actor then went to um, her email on Office 365, didn't have multi-factor authentication um, uh, set up. And so he got access to her email. He was able to redirect uh, emails from different vendors to different mailboxes that he was aware of and that this particular finance person was not aware of and ultimately got several hundred thousand dollars of illegally sent information. So the point being that, you know, bad guys are constantly finding ways in. Uh, and so, you know, you have to be on the lookout for that. So item number two is 
the uh, author here is Vilius Petkowskis. U.S. online grocery delivery platform links 11 million user records. Why am I bringing this one up? Because you may not use this particular or uh, delivery platform. It's called We. Um, it has a, it had delivery data of 11 million customers leaked online. Some logs include door codes that couriers use to enter buildings. So why, why am I pointing this out? Well, because we are all using different apps for different things. Uber, DoorDash, this We thing for, for food delivery. And we give it a lot of information to make our lives more convenient. I'm not saying don't make your life more convenient. I'm saying understand the certain risks that, are, that come with providing personal information to third parties. We as a third party platform that users obviously gave a lot of information for delivery of groceries. And the key thing I pointed out, I wanted to point out here is that some of that information included codes to enter buildings. So this has a two pronged issue. So bad guys on the dark web are going to trade the information they get from this. It may include credit card information, usernames, password, all that traditional stuff. But now you have a whole host of different actors that are more into burglary and more physical oriented crime that now have access to uh, homes or buildings and things like that. So that creates a new threat issue that we have to think about. And so this just, again, goes to show um, the risks associated with providing your information elsewhere. Uh, and so uh, from this article, a couple other things, the database that was taken offers all information necessary to deliver groceries. For example, some of the logs include delivery notes that we customers left for couriers, such as codes to enter residential or office buildings, things like that. That's certainly a problem. The supposed leak um, includes personal identifiable information that hackers can abuse in numerous ways. Hackers can use the database to match first and last names with accurate email addresses, exposing user identities on other live services. And that, again, goes to if they now can, can match your email address with passwords from another data breach. It's very easy to put those things together. They can now obviously send you phishing emails, do a host of different things. And, and now burglars can get into your house if you've given that much information. So am I saying don't use these services? Not necessarily, but I'm saying be aware of when data breaches like this occur and then make the appropriate changes so that bad guys won't come into your house in addition to won't come into your networks and your emails and all that kind of stuff. The last one is more humor for me than anything else. It's not good that someone got hacked. But it just goes to the absurdity of people in positions of power. So this is, again, Cyber News. Anna um, Hodden, was the, uh, who's an editor at Cyber News, was the reporter here. This is, up, this is from February 6th. And here's the, here's the headline that got me. Twitter account of U.S. top cybersecurity diplomat hacked. So I'm going to read this one a little bit. U.S. top cybersecurity diplomat and head of the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Cyberspace and Digital Policy, Nathaniel Fick, said his Twitter account had been hacked, adding that it's the perils of the job. It remains unclear who stands behind the hack of how they might have made use of Fick's account. He was due to fly to Seoul this week for cybersecurity cooperation-related talks with the South Korean government. The diplomat owns an unverified personal Twitter channel with about 5,000 followers where he posts mostly weather, mountain biking, backpacking, skiing. He prefers to be represented by the official Bureau of Cyberspace and Digital Policy account for professional matters. Okay, good. He uses his professional account for professional things, his personal ones for personal things. That's fine. But he is a cybersecurity diplomat, meaning he's in charge of cybersecurity policy in some way, shape, or form. My first question, and I posted this on LinkedIn, did he not have multi-factor authentication set up? 
And second question, if he didn't, should he be in this position? I mean, let's be honest, people. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to pick on politics here because politics, politicians just irritate me. But you've got this guy who's in a cybersecurity role. He is going to talk to other countries about cooperations related to cybersecurity. And he can't do the simple thing of turning on multi-factor authentication on his personal Twitter account to protect himself from this kind of activity. What's he know? What what is his? I'd love to know what his qualifications are for the positions he's in. I'm sure if I looked it up, I could figure it out. But I'm not. I'm, he's a politician. He's he is a political hack that got a job with a hack department. State department is full of morons, in my professional opinion, um, or personal opinion, personal and professional opinion. Um, and so they just don't. I mean, again, the government has got to understand these threats. They have got to put out things that require common sense use. Now I would assume that the state department account he uses for his professional Twitter stuff is protected by multi-factor authentication, but maybe it's not. What do, I mean, it, you know, probably it's not, who knows it should be, you know, ideally it should be, but um, I mean, this is just foolishness that someone who is in charge of a cybersecurity department within the government can get his Twitter account hacked because, and he didn't take the means to protect it. Sad, 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 sad. Are we going to get any better? I don't know, but I guarantee you politicians are going to come with suggestions for all of us on what we need to do, but they can't do the simple thing. So that's, that's, the, that's the end of the rant for this one. Let's get on to more entertaining matters. Um, here is my conversation with Scott Augenbaum. Um, like I said, on these, as I'm doing these uh, live interviews, what I'm looking to do is try to put them on, try to stream them for people to watch if you're so in, uh, inclined to do so. Um, and then link it and put it in the podcast for those who are obviously audio listeners. So as always, if you have thoughts, comments, suggestions on things you'd like to see, people you'd like to hear on the podcast, let me know, Darren at thecyberguy.com, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. But with that, let's get to my conversation with Scott Ungebaum. Welcome to this Super Bowl Saturday, Saturday Super Bowl scam weekend edition of the Cyber Guy podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott, and I'm going to bring in with me here on this stream my special guest, uh, returning guest, the the most requested guest on the history of the Cyber Guy podcast, Scott Agabaum, from the palatial secrets of cybersecurity compound somewhere in Tennessee. Scott Agabaum, Scott, welcome back. Good to see you, Darren. You got a lot of stuff going on behind you. I know it's all about it's all about the visuals, man. It's because we're doing this restream now. And the nice thing is, since the restream restream here is on YouTube or LinkedIn, um, but I have other parts of the podcast that are audio only. So if you want to catch those, you have to go listen to the audio portion uh, when I push that out later this weekend. So, but thanks for coming on to talk about this, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of run into what led to this. And um, if I, I should share it, it was a post by our PCMatic friend, Corey Munson, about um, the attorney general of Michigan claiming that there were a lot of scams regarding Super Bowl betting. Um, so, and that led you to call me and say, hey, call your news friends and let's, and get them to come talk about this. And this led to this particular news item. So let me bring that up. Very nice. So, okay. So this obviously well, brings us well, to this. I only heard the, I, I hope everyone else did. I only heard the last 10 seconds. You should have, yeah, because well, when you when you're when okay, I talk off screen, you get muted. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, that's my fault. Yeah, so they, yeah, it would it, it would have been fine. Go on, but uh, yeah, so um, uh, so what led to this was obviously Super Bowl Sunday, and this is where scammers are uh, focus on major events, right? So, so touch a little bit about that. Why why should we worry about Super Bowl Sunday? 
I mean, really, it's just another Sunday because there's Valentine's Day. You got the Valentine's Day this week, too. So I think you got dual hitter. In addition to Super Bowl Sunday, we also have Valentine's Day scams coming. So so uh, talk a little bit into that. Yeah, well, it's also great, you know, when I can steal your idea and I can steal Corey's idea and come up with content off the top of my head and then be able to pitch it to a couple of news uh, organizations and then invite them into my house uh, while my wife is trying to paint and looking at me like I'm crazy. Here's the bottom line. I I mean, if if we kind of look at this, if we look at what you guys talked about yesterday, you know, how many million people are are planned to bet this uh, weekend? What what was the number? Uh, 31 million or something like that. Some ridiculous number, yeah. Yeah, 31 million people betting. Now we have a bunch of data breaches that are occurring on all the big sports book. That enough is really a lot of information for the cyber criminals to start going out and sending spearfished attacks. Hey, hold on a second. I'm getting text messages. We're getting, oh, now we have sound. Okay, now it says there is sound. I'm not sure why there wasn't sound before. So I don't know. This is, I'm still trying to figure out this whole live streaming thing. So if there's, if, if for whatever reason you didn't hear any sound, I apologize. Okay, we'll start all over again. <laughs> hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. No, no, well, Greg Lord, Greg Lord just said he's got sound now. So I, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my LinkedIn page and I'm just going to bring up the audio and see if it's if we can hear anything on that. I don't know. This is yep. There we go. That's I'm why I don't to do these, Darren. This, I appreciate you doing this. This is why <laughs> yeah. I will not do these. Okay, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. So, okay, we got sound. I, why, why, I mean, maybe, Thank you, Greg. Uh, I appreciate you, Greg. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I'm watching the chat over here on the side, so I can kind of see what people are saying. So I assume that we got sound now. I'm just going to go. Yeah, ask everybody if we have sound. We make it a little interactive over here. <laughs> yeah, okay. over here on the side, so I can kind of see what people. Yeah, because I, I checked my YouTube. YouTube's got sound, so I uh, might have just been that video didn't have sound, which I tested it before, and it did, so. Beats the shit out of me. Oh, the heck out of me. I don't know. So, so it is what just, it is. Did you just curse on air? I mean, I might, my kid might be in the back. That's my podcast. Oh. FCC can consume me. Okay. So let's get hey, back so to let's this. Get, let's get down to it. I mean, millions of people are going to be gambling this weekend. All right. Mm-hmm. It's the Super Bowl. A um, lot of data breaches that occurred. And in the, most of the data breaches, everybody said, don't worry. They didn't access your account. But they did access, you know, they accessed your email. Nobody's going to tell you if they compromised your password. If they did, they're going to tell you to change it. Maybe a couple of people did. This is a perfect recipe, Darren, because now we're going to get hit with tons and tons of spearfished emails targeting everyone and their brother this weekend for a Super Bowl bet. Some of the headlines we're going to see. Oh, I'd say forget just the weekend. I mean, you're going to get a little bit of it today and tomorrow, but then come Monday, Valentine's Day is the next day. You're going to get stuff from FTD Flores and Sherry's Berries and all that stuff to verify that you actually sent, you know, so here's going to happen. People are going to buy flowers and stuff for Valentine's Day, and they're going to get emails that say, your payment didn't go through. Please click here to process it. And people are going to do it. I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you an example of why this, how this is so easy. And we talk about all the time. Most people don't have multi-factor authentication on their accounts, but I was working with a cybersecurity customer over the past two days and they called and said, Hey, we got an email that we didn't pay a vendor $267,000 looking for their money. And we went back and looked and we sent it weeks ago. Well, we did a quick look and the late, the lady from the payroll department or from the finance department rather, um, had someone in her email system. They, she, she got some kind of of fish email. It said, verify your, whatever it was, she clicked on it and put in her username and password 
there was no multi-factor authentication. So then the actor got in to her email by going, because it was Office 365, went to office.com, put in her legitimate credentials, took it right to her email, and then he created all sorts of rules and stuff that she never knew were there, that people who were sending her legitimate invoices were um, being redirected to all of these things. So that's what's that's probably the, of all of these things we're talking about right now, that's going to be the common use for these scams. Well, there, there's two points, there, there, and, there's, and there's a bunch in the middle, I hate to say it, you know, on, on let, let, let's start on this side over here, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the cybersecurity problems going up. It keeps getting worse. We keep spending more and more money. Most people don't realize that social engineering is the number one tool in the cyber criminals tool belt. So if we go back over here and you do all these steps and you have two factor authentication on your own stuff, that's great. But you're still going to you're still going to get the social engineering attacks. And sure. I don't care what product you have on your system. I don't care if you're using something with artificial intelligence. We cannot control what the bad guys do. All we can control is how we react to what they do. So let's stay on this side, because all of a sudden on this side, we have social engineering. So maybe you're not going to get an email or maybe what happens? Now you're going to get a text message from FanDuel or sports book, and they're going to ask you to click on the link. Mm -hmm. And let's say you have, you know, a great antivirus product on your machine with application whitelisting. That's for you, Corey. But what happens if you're on your phone and now they, you get a text message and you click on the text message and it opens it up and where Darren, the browser, right? Yep. And then they ask you for what, what do they want to do? Log in. Yeah. So now you enter in your username and password. Now they get access to your account. And that's half the battle. Okay. Because now they're going to bank on the fact that 66% of the population is using the same password for multiple platforms. And that's it. And that's where the account compromise runs through small businesses, nonprofits, academia, people like us, people like our parents. Right. Yeah. And it's not, and the funny thing is, is this is nothing, nothing new. You and I've looked at this for 20 plus years. It is always, this is, I saw a report that, um, somebody did a survey and 90 or 67%, maybe I might have the number slightly off, but it was a fairly large number of employees at companies can't recognize a fish, a fish email. So if you can't recognize it at work, are you going to recognize it at home? I mean, I get them all the time. You get them all the time. I'm sure to say, Hey, your McAfee I'm just call for something. You know, I'm, I know for a fact, none of us here are perfect. Someone is going to get in the middle of our communications. And all of a sudden, I'm going to sign a contract. Someone's going to say, hey, Scott, you know, we want you to speak at this event. Click on this link. Whoo. You know, you got to become that human firewall. You have to think before you click and you have to think before you act. That is so important. And we're, and that's why, you know, even with what I like to say is a cyber secure mindset, that's not enough. I mean, it's the educational component is so important. And then you have the technology component. They don't work well. They don't, they have to work hand in hand, but you know what? So what do you think happens, Darren, when you have the top 
information security, XDR, MDR, EDR, and I don't even know what the heck those are. Yeah. And you'll have off-the-shelf cybersecurity awareness training. Does that mean you're safe? No. Means you, you it means you've got a, a bullet, you got a bullet wound and you've put a couple band-aids on it, but the but the bullet wound's still gonna bleed. And it really, there's no, and honestly, there's no, I don't know if there, at this point, is there even a way to, um, to, to stop the bullet hole from bleeding? Because I posted a thing on LinkedIn this week and, and I talked about it earlier in the, in the podcast piece that there was the, a U.S. official in the state department who's in charge of cybersecurity got his LinkedIn profile hacked, meaning someone had his legitimate username and password. My first question was, um, did he have multi-factor authentication turned on? Clearly he did not if someone got access to his LinkedIn. And if he didn't have multi-factor authentication turned on, should he still be in that position? Uh, you know, look, look, let me tell you something. That's kind of, uh, you know, everybody was, he is a segment of society, okay? You, you, I hate to say it, you're condemning everything. 7% of Twitter users happen to be, have two-factor authentication that is turned on. Should he be in that position? What, what am I going to do when somebody gets into one of my accounts? I mean, I have a lot of accounts, Darren, unfortunately, that don't have two-factor authentication, that are SaaS platforms that I need to use. I call up these companies. I go, hey, you don't have two-factor authentication. I talk to these people, and they're like, you know, we have 40,000 customers. Nobody ever complained. We're not <laughs> going to spend $2 million, Mr. Augenbaum, to make you happy. Good point. So, you know, where are we going? You know, we have to look at the past if we're going to go on with the future. I remember uh, looking at uh, in 2015, I thought I was the town crier. Because I'm telling everybody in Nashville, you need two-factor authentication. You need to follow the core critical controls. The business email compromise is coming. Ransomware is coming. And in 2015, the cybercrime problem is only, you know, it's less than a trillion dollars. And today, here we are eight years later, and now the problem's almost $8 trillion. And it keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. And now we have new products. Uh, great article. I'm, I was going to email this to you today. It was an article from 2013. And uh, it really kind of talked about, we used it. I forgot the guy's name who, I'm, I'll, I'll post it on LinkedIn. I'll send it to everybody. But in 2013, when we were the town criers and nobody was taking this seriously, this guy writes this great article saying, look, you know, we got to take this stuff seriously. Look at these issues. And what are they talking about? Same stuff we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Same exact stuff we're talking about today. And Darren, how is chat GPT going to play uh, even a greater role in, in I don't want to say preventing cybercrime, but in well, it's, it's interesting you say that because so in Corey's post that he said that he posted a thing about the, um, the betting, the betting scams. I think I made a point that I can, here's three head, here's three spearfish headlines I can come up with without even having to go to chat GTP to create them. After I did, it, I went to chat GTP, GPT to try to create them saying, Hey, create me three phishing 
email headlines and it wouldn't let me. It said that that's, you know, illegal and what so that's so great. So, so chat GPT don't do it. There's going to be plenty of different AI that's going to come out. That's going to create all sorts of different um, capabilities that will allow I hate that. to say it. It's your fault. If you would have just said, hi, I own a sports book company called yeah. Darren's Place. Yeah, right. I worded it wrong. Yeah, right. Provide me with 10 good headlines. Yeah, right. you're right. Right copy. I mean, there's a way around it. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, and add to that, there's a other, there's, a, I mean, beyond just chat GPT, there's other AI stuff that does audio and all sorts of other video stuff that you're going to have. You're you're no longer going to get the guy calling saying, hey, I'm from the Internal Revenue Service. He's going to sound like he's sitting in a, sweatshop in india he's going to sound like an actual irs agent with the exact script to use to make him sound legitimate and people are going to fall people are falling for the fake one they're really going to fall for the one that even sounds more legitimate and is, is more designed for that so yeah i mean i don't think I mean, technology I mean, but we've been saying but hold on we, we've been saying this for 15 years ourselves technology advances the first people that exploit the technology is the bad guy so it kind of brings me back to, you know, when we first kind of met and here I am over in the cyber division and now things are starting to become a lot clearer to me, things that are going on internally within the FBI. And since we've both been retired for a long time, I'd, I'd love to go through this and really, because I was just thinking about this, the cyber division is formed in 2000, the FBI has this giant, has a budget. So let's just consider that 100%. The budget is 100%. The cyber division is created. But where do you think the money came from? It came from internally within mm -hmm. the FBI. There yeah. were a lot of executives at that point, that, in that point in time, who were saying that we don't need a cyber division within the FBI. Each one of these things can be worked independently within the counterintelligence division, the JTTF, the CI division. And because here was the pushback, the cybercrime problem will probably go away by 2007 <laughs> or 2008, because this is a problem that the IT folks will figure out. Do you remember any of that stuff? Sure. Yeah, of course. It, it continued for it, can, it continued on even after 2007, 2008. It continued into, into 2015. 2015. Yeah, yeah, they continue to talk about it. We don't have a gun squad. When when guns were used to rob banks, they didn't create a gun squad. Not the same thing, but I mean, yeah. Well, kind of. And that was always the pushback. And now, you know, it's funny now because we see so many people retiring from the cyber division. I'm like, hey, did they really ever work cyber before? I mean, it became the golden ticket yeah. for retirement for so many people within the FBI and people drop names. They go, hey, do you know this guy? He just got this job. I look at his profile and I'm like, you know, obviously he did better than I did within his career, but there's not the cyber background. There's very few of us and who were in from 20 some odd years ago doing mm -hmm. it. And a lot of people just got out. It was just too frustrating. Sure, sure. So I, I'm going to redirect this a little bit. So Estelle posted a comment. What are three critical things we should do to protect ourselves? Well, you actually have a framework of, is it four? What is your, I, I keep forgetting the number, your, your four basic, what are your basic truths? You have basic truths. I like truths. to say 10. Well, it, it, well, well, here's the thing, Estelle. It, here, what we need to do is we need to change your behavior. Because what I'm going to tell you in the framework is nothing that I made up. 
So what what have what what happened in my career? You know, interview a thousand cybercrime victims, realize that what I call the four truths: nobody ever expects to be a victim. When the bad guys steal your stuff, law enforcement's not coming in with a magic ring or a decode. You know, we're not fixing the problem. It's very difficult to get the money back. I got so many examples. Putting the cyber criminals in jail is incredibly hard. Those things make people depressed. And that's where I had the epiphany in my career because I got depressed. I mean, I didn't come into the FBI working cybercrime. I came into the FBI up in Syracuse putting bad guys in jail for any violation that came through the books. And we had a $10,000 prosecutive limit. So my big epiphany, Adele, was 90% of what I dealt with easily could have been prevented. And this is what I think Darren and I talk about constantly. And in really in the framework, you have to understand that you need to change your behavior. I want everyone here, and we say this all the time, bad guys steal your stuff hurt your kids with this extortion, steal money from your elderly parents. Well, I just had the victim last week, had $8,000 taken from her in a scareware attack. We're not getting it back. So what do we need to do? We need to realize social engineering is the number one tool in the cyber criminals tool belt. And there's really five ways that the cyber criminals are using social engineering. And Darren, you might, as I go through five, you'll probably come up with a lot more. First one is fishing. We talk about that until we're in the face, blue in the face. We have lots of products and services that claim to stop a lot of fishing, and they do. We have text messages, which there are no products and services. We got telephone calls. And the other one is through LinkedIn, through Facebook. That's where we're getting fished. How many, mm -hmm. how many different people has tried to hit you up on LinkedIn? with either a job opportunity or they want to be your friend and they have two or three people. But the other one in social engineering is scareware, is the bubble that you have that's popped up. And this just happened last weekend. Woman calls me up. It's a neighbor. She, she had a browser that was not updated in probably four years a pop-up comes up on her computer, says, please call Apple. Someone's trying to get into your bank account. She calls up Apple. They tell her some story, which sounded legitimate to her. It would not sound legitimate to us. It would sound very legitimate to our parents. And she took $8,000 out of the bank. Mm -hmm. Those are the five ways. And all they want to do is get access to your username and password. So let's take a break on that. I mean... Social engineering, Adele, number one tool in the cyber criminal school belt. What are some other ways, Darren, you know, some other scams that you might see that fall into the category of social engineering? Um, the, the one where you're, you, you, you place an Amazon order and it got lost in FedEx. And so they need to redo it or they need to, it needs to be shipped or it's been stalled at something. So they want you to log into your Amazon account to verify your shipping address. So shipping, Shipping scams is a big one. Um, the whole thing with, you know, you, we just renewed your McAfee or your Norton antivirus. And if you don't, if you don't want it, call this number. So that's a tech support, the tech support scam where they'll get you to try to, to download um, a, a remote access tool on your computer that you then give the bad guy 
the login information, they log into your computer and then they install keystroke loggers, ransomware, mm-hmm. or they steal information out of it, whatever. Yeah. And then they become seasonal. Next week, we're going to get the Valentine's Day. Then we're going to get the IRS ones. Then yep. we're going to get the Cinco de Mayo, uh, <laughs> free booze. It yep. just doesn't matter. You know, there's work from home scams. There's reshipper scams. And now from 10 or 15 years ago, what's making it easy is the bad guys really don't need infrastructure to do any of this stuff. No. They can set it all up. They can, they can do it right at their fingertips. And so, so we need to realize that social engineering, number one tool in the cyber criminals tool belt. Number two is all the bad guys want to do is trick us into doing something. And there's a couple of things they want us to do. Either they want to get us to go to a website to steal our username and password. And that is the account compromise. That is the simplest, simplest form of cybercrime that I believe accounts for any, just about everything. Majority of the data breaches occur because we put things in the cloud. I got good news. Nobody's hacking the cloud. Why do they not need to hack the cloud, Darren? Why would they have to? They have already have your username and information. They don't need That's to hack it. it. Steal you. All they need to do is steal your username and password. Right. Nobody's hacking Dropbox. Nobody's hacking iCloud. Nobody's hacking Azure. Maybe this nation threat actors are. All they yeah. need is credentials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's and, and the other thing is like the third party stuff is is getting huge now. What was the, there was one this week from We, which was an on, and here's here's an interesting one on that one. It was it was an online grocery delivery company. Eleven million user accounts were compromised. In that information included the codes for the doors or the gates to the either the house or the apartment complex. So that brings the cyber threat into a real world threat because now you've got. Burglars on the dark web who can take that information and say, okay, for this house, here's the garage door code. I'm just going to go use the garage door code and get in. So it creates a whole host of new issues that we hadn't really seen up to this point. Uh, I, I, I'm almost speechless. Every time Every time we get into these conversations, Darren, I'm like, I don't even know where to take this anymore. Because yeah. there's just so much information that's out there. It's so overwhelming for the average person. I go out, I do a ton of talks. All of a sudden, I'm getting busy again. I mean, I'm getting out, I'm going out, I'm doing an hour talk on cybercrime prevention. People are taking notes. They seem engaged. But I hate to say it, 72 hours later, maybe someone's going to remember that, hey, that guy went to Kingsborough Community College and his wife didn't like 190 inches of snow. (laughs) Maybe I can hope they put two-factor authentication on. And that's why I believe the conversations that we're having are not correct. And that's what I've been trying to figure out. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, we're going to sit here and talk for a half hour, 40 minutes. And... It's a lot of it's stuff we've already talked about before on pre- on previous podcasts. Where, where, where I have, have nothing. I have nothing new to talk about. I stopped <laughs> right. having things to talk about in 2015. It's the same stuff. Right, right. And I, and I don't know. I and that's why, like my <laughs> other podcast, is only seven to ten minutes, and it's trying to get like just a little little bit at a time to get focused in. But I don't. Know. I, do we have a solution? Maybe that's the sad thing about. Maybe that's the sad realization we come to at the end of this. Well, at the end of this real thing. Is there no solution? 
All you can do is kind of try. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with weight loss. It's the same thing with keeping your kids off of drugs. But what's happening is there's a whole cottage industry that is cropped up in the information security marketplace that is selling different types of products and services. And they're taking advantage and, you know, they're taking advantage of the fear, uncertainty and doubt. And let me tell you, I'm not saying we don't need products and services. I have never seen a product or service that I didn't say, oh my God, I need it. Mm -hmm. Or a guitar training session, but we're not going to talk about that. You know what I mean? But if we don't stick with it and we don't do the basics and that's why, you know, you do what you do. I do what I do. And we just continue to go out there and tell people that it needs to be a mindset shift. And that's why I talk so much about the cyber secure mindset, not being a product, not being a service, but being aware, being able to think about this thing on a regular basis. Because if it's not on your, I hate to say it, if it's not sitting up, if, you know, when you get up in the morning and you you are brushing your teeth and praying and giving your kiss your kids a kiss and knowing don't share drug needles i'm kidding but there are basic things that have to be in the front of our head that that are in our habits mm-hmm. and if really preventing cybercrime is not one of those habits it's game over and how do you convince people to take this seriously that's the that's the problem that we've been having for years. So Isabel Miller just posted, I so agree with you. I share this with people, but they don't see it that way. They sometimes think I am too paranoid. And, you know, Isabel, I think the problem is, and, and Scott and I have mentioned this before, um, that two things. A, people don't think it'll happen to them. And two, they don't think they have anything anyone would want. And I think that's the, the probably of all the biggest fallacies around cybersecurity, those are the two biggest ones. It's going to happen to everyone at some point. And either directly or indirectly. In other words, someone they know is going to happen to. But everybody has something someone want, would want, whether it's just their login information, their personal information, their bank account information, their social media information. Um, I mean, take a look at the, so going back to the State Department guy who had his Twitter account hacked. He only had 5,000 5, um, followers or whatever. What's the value in, in having access to his Twitter account? Well, people know he's a cybersecurity expert, so they could tweet on his behalf and, you know, get people to click on links and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you're a bad guy and you can get access to Kim Kardashian's Twitter account, you can get a whole sorts of people to click on links. Oh, all it's so place. much deeper than that because it goes on. And uh, to the young lady who brought that question up and said, thank you. And, you know, for being paranoid, connect with Darren or myself, and I'll make sure that you get a digital copy of my book, The Secret to Cybersecurity. So, you can become more paranoid. No, I'm just kidding. So you could learn how to prevent yourself from becoming the next victim. You know, I had another, uh, I had a family member that I've been harping on for years. I haven't told you this story, Darren. You're going to, you're going to love this. Mm-hmm. So I've been talking to them forever saying, Hey, look, you need to put two factor authentication on your Facebook account. You know, why would anyone want to target me? I don't have anything on my Facebook account. You know, so they never put two-factor authentication on Facebook. And now their Facebook account was closed by Facebook because somebody got access to their account. 
What's the worst thing, Darren, you think that somebody could possibly do if they gained access to your Facebook account? Uh, post thing, post child pornography to people. That's who it. They post <laughs> child pornography on a legitimate person's account. Now this, le- now, this person had all of their pictures saved on Facebook. Now, good luck. They <laughs> called me up and said, hey, could you help us get our account back? And I was like, at this point, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is taking calls. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate to say it. You kind of had a lock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I said, when the police come to your door, I say, you need a lawyer and then call me right now. Why would you store all your pictures on Facebook? I mean, I mean, I guess you're going to start Google. Yeah, yeah you know, when it comes back and, you know, and I actually used this at a presentation once. I haven't talked about this in 15, you know, confidentiality, integrity and availability. I mean, we confidentiality. We need to keep the cyber criminals out of our mission critical platforms and mission critical data. Mm-hmm. Integrity, you know. For us as average users, what, what would be integrity? Wouldn't you say that if somebody got into your email and pretended to be you, that's potentially integrity, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is that a good example? Yes, no, that's, right. that's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And availability. Now they got access to her Facebook account where she stored her whole pictures. There are no pictures anymore. So forget about confidentiality integrity in imitating her because now it's going out as her and availability in getting access to information. Unfortunately, nobody's been able to use that and make it simple and take it outside of the world of information security. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go way off topic here. Well, it's still cybersecurity topic, but I figure I'm almost required at this point on LinkedIn to ask this question of anybody who I have on thoughts on TikTok. What are your thoughts on TikTok? Mine? Yeah. Listen, I love it. I get all my protein recipes on that. I have an old <laughs> phone. I use it. I mean, l- 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 listen, you know, he- he- here's the thing. Horse is out of the barn. You can badmouth TikTok as much as you want. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I'm not the only person who has a TikTok account. And I'm not the only person who uses it and probably says, hey, this is great. You know, that's the problem. You know, how many other people are going to government officials, state of, you know, all these different red states, blue states, people say, hey, we're bashing China and stuff like this. Horses out of the barn with that. I mean, so might as well go after Lenovo computers. Sure. Is, is there any different? Is there any difference between Lenovo computers and TikTok, Darren? There is not. Not from an intelligence perspective. No. Okay. What about the electronics on my Cadillac? Because fifty percent <laughs> of the parts on my Cadillac were made in China. Well, I let's, but I'll say this. I'll, okay. Is your it, but is your Cadillac connected to the internet? 
Well, I do have a. You know, I know your phone is. Yes, your phone is correct. Your phone is. I get that. But I mean, how much data from your car is going through your phone, going to wherever? It's who going knows? It, it, the way thing, the, you know, the, the way the way things the way things are going. Listen, I like to bash TikTok as much as the next guy over here, <laughs> but I think you know we're in too deep with so much Chinese stuff. We were talking about this sure. from the counterintelligence part back in 2007 i can't tell how many times did you do counterintelligence briefings to organizations where they wanted no part of you where they wanted no part of me they oh, wanted they, they always, they would, what's that yeah, i never had that issue they uh, people love to have me come talk they're yeah, always well, i don't know i went to major universities and i went to organizations all over nashville and fortune 500 companies and asked them what they were doing about the counterintelligence threat oh yeah and they really they love to hear me talk, but they didn't see how it ever sure. fit in for them. No, I agree. Yeah, no one, no one, no one looks into the intelligence piece of that. I, I, I guarantee you, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole, I have a full four-part log series on counterintelligence and nation-state actors and all that stuff on a on a website. But anyway, who cares? Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, I agree. The cat, the the the. the the toothpaste is out of the tube on TikTok, but there's still things you can do to lower your risk. All I'm saying is all about risk, right? It's all at the end of the day, this is all about risk. How do you lower your risk? You're never going to stop the problem, but you can certainly lower your risk by not using TikTok. Now, again, you can argue, you know, I have an Apple phone myself, but my, I've determined the risk to that is pretty limited. So I would have think yeah, that yeah. someone at this point would have identified, hey, you've got these Chinese chips in your iPhone. And it's sending all this data back. I haven't seen the research that shows that's the, that's the key. But what do I know? You know, the Chinese already uh, probably looked at all the stuff that I'm saying, and they're like, "Hey, this guy's talking about nothing more than common sense." <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> listening to him for 20 years. Yeah. He, Scott Augenbaum is very, very low risk. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. And Darren, they're saying who? Darren, who? He can't even spell cyber right. So how can we yeah. trust him? All right. Any final thoughts on Super? Okay, let's, let's since this is Super Week, and who are you picking for tomorrow? It's another game that I really don't care about. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say probably because of you, I'll probably root for the Eagles. Yeah, great. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's nice. Of you. Yeah. I'm going to eat my pizza. That's the only thing that's going to make me happy is having pizza. Um, the game, I could care less. Halftime show is going to suck ass. Um, it's all going to stink. The, the, the commercials are going to stink. It's all going to be horrible. Oh, come on. It is. It is. I give up. It's, it's so no bad. longer. It's, it's, yeah. You know. Well, listen, I do appreciate you, uh, you know, everyone, anyone or everyone for sticking around with us yeah, uh, here. For our old guys yelling into the wind. Yes. yes. We're at this point. That's where we're, that's where we're at. So yeah, the, um, two, the, the two guys from the Muppet show up in the upper row yeah, exactly. over there. Yeah, that's right. I do. I do want to say I, I finally, I overcame the 3000 follower number on LinkedIn. So that's great for me. I know you're at like 75,000 or something. So oh, I'm at, at 13,000, but I come from the guy, I come from the world where my good friend, Bill Mulholland, you know, I argued with him. <laughs> I think it was probably 2016 going, I am never going to be on social media. <laughs> That's crazy. But look, I love it. It's a platform. It's great. I keep my information safe with two factor authentication uh that's the best we can do 
how you can do. Scott, thanks so much for everybody who hung out with us. Isabel, Estelle, Paul, Greg, everybody else. Travis, thanks for uh, sticking around for the parts you stuck around with. For those who are watching it after it's been recorded, send Scott a note. Send me a note if you have suggestions, thoughts, comments on stuff we said. If you're if you're with me, the TikTok sucks and you shouldn't have it. But yes, if you're with Scott, um, you know, maybe, you know. Oh, I didn't say to go out and have it. I just you have it. You're using it. You, so the fact yeah, that you use, use it. it, but so what? <laughs> Fair enough. Judge me. You've, you've determined the risk is low. I get it. That's all. I, I, yeah, I determined the risk personally for myself is low. Yep, I understood. All right, Scott. Thanks so much. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We will talk soon. For everybody else, thanks so much. Uh, you can listen to this audio version of this on the Cyber Guy podcast. I'll put that out later this weekend. There'll be a couple other pieces that aren't in the live stream that you can get from that. Thanks so much. We will talk to you all on another day. So I want to thank Scott Angenbaum for joining me yet again on the Cyber Guy podcast to discuss, you know, a variety of scams and other things. One thing I did notice is I did make an error on that particular, um, uh, when I played the video of him from his local news station, it did not, the audio did not play in the live stream except for the last piece, which I ended up cutting out. So there was a mistake on my end in there in the middle of that. Um, part of the learning lessons from doing this live streaming stuff. So I apologize for the uh, obvious error there. But um, that's going to do it for this particular episode of the Cyber Guy podcast. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download, listen, or watch the live streams of these interviews. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, comments, whatever, feel free to email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. Follow me on my LinkedIn. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. As always, uh, you can find this podcast and all your favorite podcast providers. Check them out there. Know that knowledge is protection. If we can understand the threats that are targeting us, we can assess our risk, proceed wisely. Thanks again so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody.